Make Jazz Trill What's up, y'all? How is everybody feeling? Welcome to the Make Jazz Chill Again podcast. I am your host, Melanie Charles. And I'm your co-host, Uni Mojica, a.k.a. Uni Mo. And it is so good to be here. Yes, it is so good to be here. I'm feeling very cute today, um, Uni, because... I feel professional. I have my new Shure microphone. Shure, if you want to sponsor us, if you want to sponsor the Make Jazz Trill Again podcast, holler at us. Let's Thank go. you for having me sound nice and crispy and professional. Because you've been sounding professional, Uni, from the beginning. I tried, but I also have Chris to thank. So <laughs> Shout out to Chris. <laughs> for hooking um, me up. But yes, I also see you got a little setup over there too, okay? You know, I'm trying to, you know, get my life together or whatnot. <laughs> Speaking of professional, we just are coming up off of our Winter Jazz Fest takeover, which was really great. I don't yeah, know if that was saw. beautiful. Yeah, it was it was like a reunion. It was a chance to really the streets really felt like pre-COVID again. The lines was wrapped around the block. The music was popping. Everybody was sounding better than ever. Better than ever. And it was so beautiful for the expansion that happened because I never realized that there was never a Brooklyn marathon for mm-hmm. Winter Jazz Fest. So this year they spread out to Brooklyn and it was so much fun just like hitting up all the spots. It was You really could see all the venues in one night in Brooklyn. That was so cool. Yeah, you never saw that. That was great. So shout out to Bryce and his team and also having us as our um, as guests as well. Yes. Yes. And we'll see what happens next year. Any yeah, other we'll news you wanna next. any other news you wanna share? Well, I guess um, well next month, well, in, in about a week it's gonna be February. Isn't that crazy? Um, February 27th, I will be coming back to the stages of New York City. My first stage will be the Blue Note NYC. I'm so excited because it's been a long time since I've done my thing. I was in Europe for most of last year, and finally I get to come back home. I feel like it's like a reintroduction, like, you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Like mm-hmm. coming back home, and it's like new year, new me. Like, let's do that. So new everyone, year, if you're listening... Music? New year, new music. Yes, that's true. I released a track this week um, with Mark DeClivelo and Shigeto from an album that we're dropping at the end of the year called Hotel San Claudio. I'm about to put that in the description. Yes, (laughs) y'all. Please check out our first single was The Creator Has a Master Plan. Shout out to Pharaoh Sanders who passed away um, at the end of last year. We love you so much, Pharaoh Sanders. Thank you for leaving us with that song. Like that song is so medicinal and you can listen to it on repeat and you know that you're going to be okay after Uh listening to that song. And I don't know if if everybody knows about your Brooklyn Nets debut as their um, 
what's the title of it? Ten. The title is Artist Collaborator. I'm one of the ten wow. artist um, collaborators. Yes, which is so crazy. You need like it's such a blessing to be part of the family, and it really does feel like a family. I produced a track for them for um, All Star Weekend, and um, it was like a jazz trap track, you know. Yeah. And they played it. Yeah, they played it at Barclay during the game, and it was just it felt so like exciting to like hear my music in such a like large space you know that's so um dope. yeah so i have more things in store last week i met angela Yee. since we're doing a podcast Ooh, you know yes what was yeah. that like it was crazy she is so kind i asked her if she would be a guest on our podcast and she said yes but let's see y'all if we could pull it off and have angela Yee on mjta podcast that would be wild but I didn't my know was... jaw just dropped <laughs> yeah i don't think i told you about that but there's so much about her that is just so inspiring as a woman in radio and talk and just like how she expands past just like radio like she was working as like an a r management for like all of the like a lot of the legendary hip-hop artists and like i was just like whoa she's such a well of information and knowledge of music history and pop culture she's really an amazing person and she's so beautiful her skin was like perfect so shout out yeah they're gonna put the episode out in a few weeks so we'll let you guys know when you can listen to that but enough about me what about you what's going on you got something special going on what's up what's coming up well I don't think I announced this on our podcast yet, but I am officially a new member of the Summer Stage programming team. So if you have seen all the amazing concerts in the summertime, free concerts throughout the city in New York City parks, that's the festival that I'm now a part of. I am the programming and partnerships manager at Summer Stage. So shout out to the programming team. Erica Elliott, our artistic director, Priscilla Santana, who is the programming operations manager, and Isa Bruder, who's our assistant as well. I'm Congratulations. super excited. It's, thank you. It's really something that I've always wanted to be a part of and really help expand um, just my programming outside of jazz. Uh, And what I feel blessed about is that I also will still be able to have um, have a hand in jazz programming because we also program the Charlie Parker Jazz Festival in Harlem and Tompkins Square Park at the end of August. So I'm still holding on to my jazz roots and learning Mm -hmm. about the landscape across genres, across cultures and really Mm -hmm. dig into just New York City culture in general throughout the boroughs we're in all five boroughs um this year we're going to be in von king park in um Mm, staten island in queens we're in flushing we're in cretona park in the bronx and of course marcus garvey park and central park so it's just super exciting and i'm really having a lot of fun with it and i feel extremely blessed so that's That's so dope and the next sonic messengers um event is going to be at public records on april 8th on, on a saturday april 8th so come oh my that. gosh Lit. uni i went last time it was so much fun y'all if you guys haven't been like i'm telling y'all to come but they don't need y'all to come because it's always packed anyway so if y'all don't want to come y- y'all could just be silly and not come 
because it's clearly like the place to be okay and i was like dancing my heart away and i, I loved how you combine so many different audiences you have the beat scene the dance community that the techno community the all of that but then also a lot of jazz heads was in the house just like getting you know their minds open and like experiencing some different stuff so shout out to y'all for a beautiful um series that you guys have put together thanks well that's our trill news for today (laughs) and now it's time to bring out our incredible special special guest who is near and dear to my heart so i know your heart mel too yes i've known this woman for over 10 years now maybe going on 20 not 20, 15, maybe. I don't know, but it's a long time. My old college roommate, my wow. colleague in in partner in crime in the arts, um, she, I, I mean, I, I can go on. Give it up for Raynell Frazier. Yes, hey. hey, what's up, what's up? <laughs> Thank you for that intro. I mean, come around with me, introduce me more. <laughs> I know I need I I mean I didn't do it I personally feel like I didn't do you justice because there's so much more in your resume that we can get to yeah I mean I guess before we get deep into like really what brought us like why we wanted to have you on this you know what, what we're focusing on today I think it's so important to also emphasize that you have roots as a musician like my interaction with you um, besides like your work with Jazz and Lincoln Center is us playing music together, yeah. um, specifically flute and um, and uh, trombone. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you're just, it's hard to introduce you correctly because you have so many, you wear so many different hats and you interact with everything with so much care. Um, so like, don't sleep y'all like not only are you behind the scenes but when it comes time to play the horn you play the horn too and I think that is so so dope yeah and I gotta toot your I gotta toot your horn a little bit more because while your your resume is in is steeped in arts administration Mm -hmm. and what a lot of people know you for is your Mm -hmm. role in programming your role as an arts administrator but you are also in your own right a a trombonist even Mm -hmm. though you may not perform often you your resume is quite astute like you've performed with the jazz lincoln center orchestra you've performed on several different stages on tv throughout the city so like that's i know i know ray that you (laughs) that you may be like i'm not really a musician but no you are you, you <laughs> like and like you could be playing more if you wanted to but you're like you know what i'm i'm focusing my energy on like basically being a public servant you know what i mean with the work that you're doing and the studying that you're doing and so i think that's really commendable it's one thing to be on stage and like making a noise in that way but like you're making noise in spaces that really are impacting all of our lives so thank you yeah. oh thank you all thank you i'm just I'm really happy to be here. Um, and thank you for that reminder, because sometimes I have to be reminded that, yes, I am a musician, too, even if I'm not playing all the time anymore. But my roots are there and my heart is there always. So I, I can always count on you, too, especially to always bring that up and, and ground me and remind me of like that part of myself, which is so important, too. So thanks, y'all. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And like, I think it's so crazy when Uni told me that you are getting your 
doctorate like what like what is the focus like what is your like what why did you decide to say you know what let me go and get my doctorate because you was already working you was already making your coins you know what I mean <laughs> so why were you like let me go this route right now yeah um like many things in my life I think I think it kind of just fell into place. Like timing has always been a really key thing in my life. And I'm a person of faith and I definitely let God lead my life. And um, this getting into this program is no different for me, but the catalyst was really COVID. Probably like so many other people, COVID transformed a lot of things. Mm. It sat me down. I had to be still, I had to be quiet and I had time to really reflect. Um, Uni knows well during that time, I started to, I was reading this book called Live Your Calling. I talk about it all the time because it was a mm. transformational book for me. Um, and I just started going through the process of like really reevaluating what I felt like my calling is, what's my purpose, um, what am I supposed mm. to do here? And in that journey, um, I decided to lean into some key things. Mel, you said service and service is one of them for sure. Service, um, some of my giftings in organization and administration and um, caring about people and caring about the arts and wanting to really make an impact. And I was like, okay, to do that, I feel, felt like I needed to broaden. I had one, mm-hmm. I was at Jazz Lincoln Center for so long um, and I had like one community, one lane that I stayed in for so long and I needed to expand. And for me, education is a way to expand. So that's, mm-hmm. kind, of, that's kind of how it started. It's just a way to, to, to grow my mind, to learn more, to meet people, be in different networks. And so I knew yeah. that I, I was like, okay, that's a route. And then I forgot about it for a while. And I was like, ah, I don't know about this until um, a colleague brought up that he's going, he was going back to school. And I was like, oh, maybe I should think about that again. And it was kind of just like that little extra push. And to be honest, I applied to school the like week before applications were due. It was, it was kind of like one of those last minute things. And I was like, Lord, it's in your hands. Like, mm. if you want me to do this, then you're going to open the door for me. And if you open the door, I'll walk through. And so that's kind Ooh. of, that's kind of how it happened. Yeah. Mm, yes, that gave, thank you. That gave me goosebumps. Thank you for sharing that piece of testimony. That's one thing that Mel and I haven't been shying away from on this podcast lately is to talk about faith. Mm-hmm. And um, our last guest, India, talked about that a lot. So the mm-hmm. timing, like you said, is timing is everything. And I know that in our conversations, like we talked about fasting being a big part of that and prayer. Mm. And um, right there, you just talked about foundation and your foundation. Uh, again, too, for me, like foundation in jazz, I'm wanting to expand. And um, can you talk about your... Um, the program that you're in a little bit and the the title of your doctorate, what that's going to be. And then, yeah, we can get into that yeah. article you wrote. So I wasn't sure I had, I was trying to figure out something that I could do in business that still kept me grounded in the arts and, and having impact in organizations. I felt like I had a, a mind for systems and for figuring out and solving problems and things like that and thinking larger. And so I just did a lot of research and I came across a degree um, called organization development and change. And um, I was like, this sounds like something I could do. I didn't really know what organization development and change was before I went into the program. So I went into it very naive. Um, but from, from the information I learned online, it's all about, you know, creating healthy organizations um, that foster, you know, good workplace culture, 
um, that really are intentional about the way that they do business. It's like the study of how, mm. how to do business, but it comes from a people first perspective. You know, it's kind of in the business world. I'm, I've learned that it's kind of like the more like feelings major of all of like the business majors. Cause it really cares about mm-hmm. that human aspect of it. And that fits well, that fits well with me. So yeah, I am, I'm studying at um, Bowling Green State University in Ohio, and I am in the organization development and change program, getting my doctorate in ODNC, organization development and change. And yeah, I'm really excited to be there. And so at the same time, you're also still working at Chelsea Factory. Right. Which is to me in tandem with what you're studying. So it's like all action all at once, everything all at once. (laughs) Because Chelsea Factory is an organization that's supporting artists. Um, For people who don't know about Chelsea, a lot of people don't really know about Chelsea Factory. Like what is, what is it all about? Yeah. So it's, I said before, like timing is everything. And so starting to get my doctorate and getting a new job, it that's nothing but God, because in the way that they both align so much, I mean, it's just so clear. I, when I when I applied for the program, I was still at Jazz Lincoln Center, which I love working at Jazz Lincoln Center. So let me just say that I had a great experience there, um, but I was ready for a change. How many years um, were there? How many and years were you there? So how many years were you there at Jazz Lincoln Center? Oh, eight years, I think, close to eight years. Wow, almost yeah yeah can you all all hear me okay yeah okay okay Mm -hmm. yeah so I was there yeah I was there for eight years and I feel like I grew up there (laughs) I went there you know as an intern and then I went (laughs) we both did (laughs) yeah but when I first got there I couldn't even drink like I was the baby baby and then I came back at 23 and stayed there all through my 20s, really. So I really grew up in that organization. And they supported my growth tremendously. I learned a lot, had mm. many opportunities. So shout out to Jazz Lincoln Center. They really, um, they really supported me big time. Um, shout to them. But sometimes you got to make a change. And it was time for a change. Yes. And, it, and Chelsea Factory is where I am now. I am the programs producer there. And Chelsea Factory, what really appealed to me about that organization is it's new. It's a chance to be a part of creating something from the ground up, which was something I was very much interested in. Um, much smaller than Jazz Lincoln Center, we're a really small, tight, um, tight staff. And so the impact I can have in the, the decisions, I can really make decisions, you know, which is something I was also looking yeah. for. I can take ownership of certain things, which is something I was really looking forward to as well. Um, and yeah. the, the mission of the organization is there to support. And it's not so much, we're not presenters, but we are really a service agency, if, if, if I could describe it that way. Like we partner with mm-hmm. individual artists, we partner with arts organizations, we partner with ensembles, companies, and we do it during a time when we're all coming out of the pandemic so that we could best support. And we always start each conversation like, okay, what are your needs and how can we best serve you? And is there a way that Chelsea Factory can step in to find like that one little thing that we may be able to help help you with? Can we be a bridge? Can we be a catalyst? Mm-hmm. Can we be a link mm-hmm. in the chain, you know? And that's kind of my job is to have conversations and find where that link is and then see how we can work together. And in the, in, in the process, build community, um, 
hear and hear and listen to great art, you know, foster conversations, all of that. So yeah, it's a, it's a fun job. It's fun. I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. I've been able to see you flourish in that firsthand. And it's, it's been really great. Like, while we both departed Jazz Lincoln Center around the same time, we still found it, God still put us in the same rooms. <laughs> like as soon as I, it was so fun. So for y'all who don't know, me and Uni, our lives have been like parallel steps ever since we were, ever since we met each other. And we can get into that whole story, but like we've just been in lockstep year after year after year. And then it's like this comes this moment where it's like, okay, we're both leaving this place that we've been for so long. You're like, wow, what are we going to do? We're not going to be working together. And then we both go to opposite organizations. And what do those two organizations do? Partner together. And so we just keep spinning together. That's right. <laughs> That's crazy. Yep. When That's I was beautiful. at Harlem State. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. I love that. I love stuff but like But you know, the arts world is very, very small. Like the longer I'm yeah. in it, the more, the smaller I see that these worlds, that this world is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And go ahead, Mel. I mean, I feel like you guys are very specific examples of something, which is like the intersection of musicians and artists that are also invested in like doing like the work in organizations and booking and curation and stuff. You guys, I think, are special in that way. Um, But however, I think people like when we're coming up as kids and thinking about how we want to be in the music industry somehow, I don't think we think that there are roles that you guys are doing. So for me, you know, I'm definitely an artist through and through and I live my life like very much in the artist way. I don't, I myself didn't even think that, you know, I was reading your article, which we're going to go deeper into that later, but there was like a job description that you said, the chief of diversity officer. I never even knew that that was a title that there was somebody that that's what they're they do is just to make sure that basically these organizations do the right thing Mm -hmm. and it Mm -hmm. made me think of um affirmative action it's just like a continuation of like what why we needed affirmative action because people wasn't acting right so now in these organizations we need people that are you know and then thank god there are people like you who are like your core values have always been that and you're choosing to study it and be rooted in the literature and like you know so that you can really help us artists out um so but I have a question though because I'm very naive so and very ignorant in this stuff so this is for all the people that don't know about this organizational stuff I am your voice today yes we need that (laughs) (laughs) what in the article what I made me wonder is that is like diversity, inclusivity, and all those things part of the pillars of what makes a nonprofit organization? Is that how a nonprofit organization gets their funding? That is a great question. So yes and no. You don't have to be, you can be a nonprofit organization without having DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion as a pillar. However, in the arts today, a lot of funders, foundations, um, government funding, they are looking specifically to how you're addressing DEI. And they're looking at looking at your organization more holistically than they have in the past to give funds. So while you don't have to have it in order to be um, a nonprofit, what I think the point, mm-hmm. point I made in my article is that you kind of do today, like it's, it's smart business 
It's, it's beyond just, it's yes, it's the right thing to do. But if you want to think in your business mindset, it's also smart business to make these mm-hmm. diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, those things, a core of your business. It's not something that can be mm-hmm. ignored anymore. You'll lose out yeah. on money and you're going to, and you'll lose out on the culture of the organization as well. So when you talk about DEI, is this a term that is used in this, in like, what you're studying in school or are these terms that many nonprofit organizations are using? Yeah, these are DEI is a term that's not even it's it's very prevalent, not only in nonprofits, but just in organizations across across the board. It's been it's been steadily growing for many years. And I think um in during the pandemic in 2020, when we were having that big other racial reckoning, you know, we've been going through racial reckoning in this country forever. But Mm -hmm. at that moment, that catalyst moment, the murder of George Floyd and all the murders that were going on then and the protests and all of that, a lot of organizations for the first time started really taking this seriously. But Mm. it's been been there. And so now you'll see like my article is just one, but there are countless, there's countless research now on this topic, DEI, and, and it's evolving. Now people are adding, like I, I mentioned, belonging. Belonging is another thing that's being added. Like there's there's a lots of different um, terms. Belonging. Yeah, belonging. Belonging as a concept. So not only diversity, which is different thoughts, different things, um, equity, which means like it's, it's different than being equal. It means like, you know, you're you're taking into account everyone, the whole situation and not just giving the same things like two oranges for me and two oranges for somebody else may mean something different. Someone else may be need three and I may need two in order for it to be, mm. you know, cause we have different circumstances. Um, mm-hmm. Inclusion is like, are you specifically calling out and asking people's opinions and for voices that are marginalized? Are you actually inviting them in and belonging has to do with how the person feels in that space. Do they feel like they're supposed to be there, that they can be there, that they're involved, that they're invited into the room? So you may include somebody and be like, hey, Uni, what do you think about this? And in Uni, you may enter into the conversation, but you may not feel like you belong there, even though they included you in the conversation. You may feel like, hey, I don't really belong here. Mm. So it's the how can they make you feel like you belong? Yeah, that also makes me think about the perspective where where um, some people some groups want to just have things for themselves too as well. And that's something Mm. that is like, is a topic of conversation that I've seen on social media, on posts and things like that too. So where some people are like, well, sometimes black people, we want to have our own space or Mm -hmm. right. Or we, or, or creating the space that where we are feeling included and wanted, of course, too. Mm -hmm. But that's Mm -hmm. just, that comes to mind. It's mm-hmm. such a good point, and it's all very nuanced. And it's, this is the exact conversations that are being happen happening right now in the industries. I think for organizations, though, there is a responsibility. What we do, um, like when you're when you're especially a public organization, you have a responsibility. If you hire someone, they are part of mm-hmm. that, that organization. They are an employee. If you hire a musician who's even there part time, they are part of that ecosystem. And I think anybody mm-hmm. within the ecosystem should feel like they belong in the ecosystem. You know, um, yes. I think as an organization, it, that is a responsibility of the organization and a responsibility. And it's a responsibility that everyone there has to carry. It has to be rooted in the values of everybody who's there. 
So you know, good. I'm if you already said it, I was I'm taking notes, so if I missed it. Okay, belonging is important, but how does an organization do that? Like what does that look like for me to feel welcome in this space? You know, even You're, though you brought me in. Because so many times they bring in artists just because they want to be inclusive, da, 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 right? And yeah. it just looks right and it's a nice thing. But then I go in there, like you said, and like I'm, I feel like, what, what am I doing here? So, yep. how can an organization create that space of, of like that you belong there? You know, Mel, I don't know if I have the answer to that. I have one way that I try to do it. Um, but but this is the ongoing work that so many people are, are trying to figure out and do. And I think it's going to look different depending on the circumstance. I think it's nuanced. But one thing that you can start with is listening and asking. Like we assume so much about what someone needs and what somebody wants, especially organizations, especially people in the roles that me and Uni have held in programming and booking and in um, dealing with artists. And you're in, there's like a power dynamic in play too when you're the organization who's giving out money to an artist who needs the money in order to live their lives and and that can get really tricky sometimes and I think one way to do it is ask what is needed really listen to it and then be honest in your response about what you can actually do you know and that's one way for someone to feel like they because at least now they're in the conversation you know now you're not telling someone this is what you're supposed to do because I think I know what's best for you now you're asking someone to be included in the conversation and so that's just one way I start but I'm I'm still learning <laughs> this stuff you know what I mean I'm, I'm in the process of figuring this all out and learning about it and there's people who are experts on this and have have been studying this for years um so that's part of it. And then the second part of it, to be honest, when it comes to belonging to me, this may be controversial. Some of it is on, on yourself. Like there is some self-work that we each have to do in order to have the confidence to, to feel like we belong. You know, it can't all mm, be on somebody else. That's my personal opinion. You know, um, it, I agree. It, it has to be self-work as well. So it has to be that balance there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, imposter syndrome is a real thing. Just today, I, I had my first session with my new therapist. Mm -hmm. And that was like one of the first things that I brought up is that like, I'm entering into a lot of more high profile spaces, and I'm struggling with not feeling like I belong. And so when you said the belonging, that's why I was like, hmm, tell me more about this belonging thing. Because I know that a big part is feeling like you're welcome. But you know, you're saying that you said that you still that's part of the work is like figuring out how to to forge that space i mm -hmm. must remind you even that like you have you've been doing that in other ways too like one big thing as an artist that i know how i feel like i belong is when it comes to hospitality mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay if i give you my rider and i say i need this so i could feel comfortable and warm and good and prepare myself for my show that is a way, if you honor that, that's how you can show me that I belong here because now you're making sure, sure that I'm okay and taken care of and I'm comfortable. So yeah. I think that's like a small piece that maybe, you, you know, you're not thinking, but like you've already been about that life, which is like creating comfort. Like that does matter, you know, for the artist to do their thing. It, yeah, it really affects the artists when they before they even step on the stage. I know for some of our first roles, Ray, was yeah. artist assistants. And it was that our was, job yeah. to make sure that everybody felt good. Yes. Sorry, I'm in Brooklyn. 
<laughs> I don't hear anything. You oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear all the sirens up in here, but it's, it's mayhem in Brooklyn right now. But <laughs> the first, the it was our job to make sure, like, as soon as they came in, they see our smiling faces. They get the they get all the tea. They get all the the, the little bit of liquor that they ask for. Mm-hmm. They get like <laughs> snacks and and then that hot meal. Like that's so important and it goes a really long way. So I'm glad it goes such a up. huge way. I think yeah. I think some of it has to do with like some people are going to be more inclined to do that work than others. Like part of I think you have to have a service mindset in general to really mm-hmm. well in certain roles because. It has to, some of it has to come from within. You have to want people to feel comfortable, you know, like not just be like, yeah. oh, it's a burden. Let me get them what they need because they asking for so much. No, you have to, right. you have to come from a different perspective and be like, no, like I want whoever's coming into this space. It's like if someone's coming into your home and you're hosting them, you want them to feel comfortable. You want them to feel at ease, relaxed, yeah. um, feel good. And while we can't do everything and I definitely had to give my fair share of no's like, Anyone who's met me has known that, like, I, I, I'm not afraid to say no, but at the same time. You're good with boundaries. You're very good to, with boundaries. Shout out to a black woman that has boundaries. Hello. Yes. Maybe that's a whole other episode. <laughs> but that's hard. Talk about boundaries for a long time. If we want to get, like, <laughs> I hello <about> my boundaries. <laughs> I've learned a lot about yeah. boundaries. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think just having that service mindset and, and, and that's something that I learned about, about who I am too is I I want I genuinely want to serve and yes that's in the arts because that's the place in which I feel passionate but it comes out in other areas of my life as well you know and and so comes out in my beliefs you know it comes out with my family and I think it will carry me on as I go through this program and I'm learning and I'm meeting people in so many different fields like this is not just the arts like my colleagues the people in my cohort they I'm the only one who works in the arts everyone works in banking or they're in HR at a university Mm. or law enforcement even like there's so there's such a diversity of um skills in our cohort Mm. that I'm learning how I can take this and go into so many different places but that mindset of service is still going to be there and I think it will carry me through um in all the work that I do I know that it will as well. I mean, that's why in your article, I love when you say that these organizations need to be intentional with who they're hiring to work as like this. Who are you staffing? Mm-hmm. You can't be talking about all this inclusive diversity if you're hiring somebody that ain't that intrinsically at the core isn't about that life. Mm-hmm. It ain't gonna work out. <laughs> so that was also like such an obvious point. But I don't think that these organizations be thinking about that. Who are you hiring? When I, when I started thinking about this, there's nothing that I wrote in here that is in my mind groundbreaking. It's very practical, real, obvious things, but it's surprising that so many people either don't do it and it's not actually written out in like when you're doing the research, there's not a lot of research about or a lot of like writing on it. There's writing on the topic, but it's just such, it's it's like, seems like, yeah, yeah, this is how we should live our lives. Like, what we believe, what we say, and what we do should align. Like there shouldn't be a disconnect. And yet there is, there are with organizations and there are for us personally too. And that was kind of, that, that that's kind of what got me to think about this topic was we had a class my very first semester where the first class we had to say who we are and we had to write all of our values down. Um, and we had to use this, um, um, Rocky he, in 1979, he started the um, 
he, he studied values and he wrote out a bunch, he made a list of values, like of the value survey. And we had to look at that value survey and pick out different values that were important to us. Um, some of them things from, from honesty all the way to like the world, seeing the world in beauty, you know? And we had to pick out what our top mm. six values were. And it got me thinking about like, these are things that are core to us. Our values are core and they really do influence so much of what we do, if not all of what we do mm. potentially. And so in mm -hmm. if that's the truth, then they're going to come out regardless. And you're going to be able to tell the core of the person it is going to come out. You can only fake it for so long. So, so who you are and what you really believe comes out eventually. So when you think about programming, artistic mm. programming and organizations, it's like, you know, what an organization really stands for will come to light eventually, no matter what they say. And that's kind of the point I was trying to make. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you believe mm -hmm. something, don't tell me, let me look at what you're doing. And then I'll determine for myself, if you really believe it, or let me look at how you're trying to make, to, to do it. And, and I'll make that determination for mm -hmm. myself. And the same is true for us. Mm -hmm. Someone can look at me in my life, my actions, the things that I've done and say, okay, right. Yeah. You really, like you guys just said, you, you care about your boundaries. Like, okay, that's evidence in the way that I'm living my life. You know, I say it, I'm doing mm -hmm. it and I do believe it, you know? And when there's a misalignment where none of us are perfect, I'm misaligned in many areas of my life, but I think we should all try to come to that alignment as individuals and organizations need to do that too. They're not exempt from it, you know? Yeah. You made, you made a really great point in your, in the beginning of your article that like the, this round of racial reckoning that we experienced with George Floyd, how all these organizations were coming out with statements that, and continue to, to make statements, statements aligning with the black community, statements aligning with Asian community and all those things and just talking about it. And then, it, and your whole point of the article is your programming aligning with what you're, what you're saying. And you brought up these, these like three pillars um, based off of um, Sheen's model. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that the one that you're talking about? Yep. It's not, yeah. Um, saying like first what we say, two mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. we do, and then three what what we believe. Mm -hmm. And I really like it. Like Mel, Mel, you said it too. Like it seems so obvious. Mm -hmm. It seems and simple almost. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know I've. Since in the past, like currently now with where, where we're at, like I have been seeing organizations changing their programming mm -hmm. and I wanted to ask you, like, do you think things are changing? Do you think things have changed or do you think this is a fad and it's going to be implemented? And if you don't mm -hmm. think it's a fad and it's going to continue, like what, what do you think is next? Yeah, great that's a great, great question, Uni. I, I do think things are changing. I, I'm someone who believes things are ever changing. They're always evolving. And there comes to a point, there is gonna, there, you're going to hit a point, like I said earlier, where you're kind of forced to change. I think things are changing for two reasons. One, some, some organizations and some people really want to change. I think it's like there, a moment happened in history and it's like opened a lot of people's eyes and there's a genuine, like, we need to do something different. We need to do it differently. And I think other people are being forced to change, you know, 
And it's like, if I don't jump on this bandwagon, then I'm going to look like the fill in the blank. You know, I'm going to look like the mm-hmm. one who doesn't care about black people, or I'm going to look at like the one who is intolerant. And so I need to do this, but it's not necessarily that they may not believe in those things, but it may not be that important to them <laughs> on their own, you know? And so I think yeah. both yeah. scenarios are true and but and both are leading to a similar thing where change is happening. I think in the case where it is grounded and rooted in what like a real attempt for change, I think it will continue. I think in the cases where it's not, I think it won't. Um, and I'm not sure how many it, it's hard. It's hard at first. This is where there's like a like a flaw in the model or like the there where there's like the there's always parts when, you, when you're researching, like what you, your hypothesis, what you think something's going to happen. And then there's like those things where it's like, well, this doesn't quite fit. And this is one of those moments where it's like, there, there are going to be um, moments where an organization is doing all the right things and saying all the right things and still may not believe it, you know, but mm. I tend to think that that's going to eventually come out. Like a person who's on a programming team who really doesn't believe it and is being forced to, to do more diverse um, programming, they're not going to last that. It, at some point, it's going to come to a head, you know? Like, you can only mm-hmm. fake it for so long. So maybe the organization itself may just continue to change, and that person who wasn't aligned with them, they may be gone at some point, because either by their own choice or the organization's choice, because it's just not the right fit anymore, you know? Someone... And things are changing. Like, this new generation is something different. Like, they really they they're they're about some other stuff like i'm learning a lot from them because it's like y'all y'all are not y'all are bold you all um just very it's a a shift happening that way too and you see it in the workforce as they're coming into the workforce that shift they're holding Mm -hmm. managers accountable in a different way too Mm -hmm. that's also happening so i think things are going to continue to change but mostly i think that because i think life continues to change and it's going to be an ever flow we may see a point where it's going to go this pendulum may swing back the other way again too who knows but that doesn't stop our own personal work you know i still stand by that we have to align what we say what we do and what we believe personally and if each individual is doing that then the organizations will do that too because organizations are just made up of people you know Mm. yeah right I mean, it's true. I feel like these kinds of organizations, these intentions, this type of study is sort of response to the social climate, Mm -hmm. just like art and music is. Mm -hmm. So you're right. Like this new generation, they're not standing for certain, like certain things you can't, they're not going to let you get by with certain (laughs) types of mess anyway. So it's sort of like the art has no way but to be pushed further. And these organizations have no choice but to have to reconsider the infrastructure and the way in which they're running these organizations. So that's one thing, just like I always make this example, like, you know, when, when people come to church, they really, sometimes we'll just come if it's a great choir, Mm -hmm. right? And they, they, they don't really, you know, it's like, it's just like the choir and the band is amazing. But at the end of the day, they still get a message. They still get the word. So, you know what I mean? Yep. So if if maybe like you ain't trying to uh, organization really isn't trying to like it's not in, as invested in inclusivity and diversity, even as they fake the fake the funk just to be in the like conversation, maybe we can say, but maybe through the fake it till you make it, they actually get it because then they see the response of the people. At the end of the day, it really is about 
the people who are coming to receive the art or the programming that these organizations are putting up. They're the ones that are paying. They're the ones who are supporting, you know, and, like, so, and, and you'll see it. Fall. And maybe that's where a change can happen too. Yeah. And, and no, maybe they won't get it. And I think mm. that's possible too. Like maybe they'll try and try and try and they just won't get it until leadership mm-hmm. changes. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. some, mm-hmm. some longstanding institutions that have been, that institutions like have been around for a very long time and we won't name any, but we know in New York, there are those longstanding, very firm, some very firm institutions. Um, it may take longer. Like it, they may do all the things and still the culture may be what the culture is. You know what I mean? And they may just be checking that box, yeah. that box. But I think there right. will be a point where it will affect the bottom line and business will talk. You know, that's just, that's mm-hmm. just my personal mm-hmm. opinion. I think at some point it's, it's going to affect the bottom line. Let's be real. The nonprofit arts, they rely a lot on a much older audience, you know, mm-hmm. and their yeah. funding definitely re- relies on an older white demographic, especially here in New York city. Um, yeah. The, and, and, that is going to shift, you know? So as they're trying to recruit younger board members and, and new people coming in, the board, people are not going to give money to places that they don't believe in and they don't feel like connect with their core values. So if you're not keeping up with what's going on, eventually it's going to come to a head, you know? And for some institutions, they yeah. may be able to carry, ch- keep chugging along in their same old story because they have the money to do so. But eventually, right. I truly believe it will, it every organization is going to have to address it. I mean, every organization already has Mm -hmm. to address it socially or else consider like they're not, you know, they're not a part of the, they're irrelevant. Exactly. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're going to be irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah, Basically. And you can see them, you know, we won't name no names, but we know those organizations that's just like, y'all need to get with the times because y'all are dry. (laughs) Yeah. And they may be hanging on right now, but listen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, um, well, I have like a, it, it might be a kind of a crazy question. and I know maybe soon we'll be going to chill trivia, but for, let's say for people who are saying they, Oh, I like this kind of study that rain Raynell is studying. I'm going to go, people go to college oftentimes so they could get a degree so they can make money. Right. Like mm-hmm. that's like generally why we go to school is to be employed. Yeah. yeah. Studying something like this. Right. What, what kind of job? could I get let's say if I said let me go do this what kind of job could I get yeah that is that's a great question there's so many degrees where you can you come out and you really don't have a specific job that you can get I think for specifically for a doctorate program you kind of need to go in with a goal and why you're getting it and what you can use it for I don't think you necessarily go into a doctorate program to like this to get a specific job you go into Mm -hmm. it to to broaden, to learn, to learn more, to get the credential, to say, I'm doctor, fill in the blank for that, for that credential. Frazier. That's true. And then, mm-hmm. and then you, and then what I'm learning in there for organization development and change, there are so many jobs. You could be a consult. A lot of people in this field are consultants. So they have their own business and they're hired by organizations to come in and work on these types of issues. And we're just talking about one pillar. We're talking about DEI today, but there's people who come in and they work on culture. There's people who come in and they do strategic plans for, um, for the organization. They may come in and, and revamp talent development, like, how development is done within the organization. Um, 
there's people who get this degree who want to be coaches, who want to be um, like professional coaches for for um, for other people and help people imagine what their careers could be. There's a lot of people who get this degree who are in HR. Recruitment is a big one for people who have this degree. Um, and and shout out to some of my cohort members who are in HR because that is some real heavy work right there. And I'm learning so much about HR and that stuff is hard. And there are not a lot of black recruiters. Let me just say that. And I have a cohort member who is a black recruiter who is doing great work. He's phenomenal. And there, that is an important, I never realized how important it is, but recruiters are so important of bringing right people into the organization. And if you don't have diversity there, like, ah, like <laughs> that's just a, I know I just went yeah, off the tangent, but that's something you can they're do. They're going to look out for, they're going to look out for the other colorful. Yeah. You know, exactly. So. And then, Finally, you can be a leader, executive director. A lot of people who get this degree want, want to go into leadership roles, executive director type of roles as well. For me, when I when I got the degree, I wanted that. Like my my original thought was like I want to be a leader of a, of a of a large nonprofit organization. Now that I'm into it, I have my 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 I'm more broad. Like um, I could see myself, yes, still being a leader in that way. I could also see myself starting my own consulting firm. Um, and because I like the personal interaction and problem solving and working through some of the strategic um, issues that may be happening within the organization. I could also see myself doing diversity work, like the chief diversity officer type of jobs, which let me tell you, those jobs pay well. Um, but right now they okay. really do. Um, <laughs> Dope. And yeah, they really, they, they really do. And, and to be honest, y'all, now this is like totally off. I could see myself not working for a while too. Like I'm just gonna be really real with <laughs> y'all. Like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. being being a housewife sounds real great right about now. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> okay. Because, like, I but you know, chill for a bit too. Like I'm not even gonna. I'm not even joking. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ray, you're yeah. also doing a lot right now. You are. You're doing more than the average person. You don't just have one mm -hmm. job. You have like five jobs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. And getting a doctorate is a full-time job. So. Exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. So I can, I hear you with, with the, the urge for that. Cause you, you just, you need, you need a break. <laughs> mm -hmm. a break. I do need a little bit of a break, but you know, you got to power through sometimes. You got a goal. I have a goal in mind and I'm pushing through it. And I know y'all know what that is all about. We all work hard yes. to we feel like our place inside of us to do so i'm open y'all i'm open to what these next these next year and a half looks like i don't know what it's going to be um i have an idea of some things i could do but i'm totally open to wherever god leads me um i just want to gain the knowledge that i can gain now so that i can be prepared for whatever it is you know whatever god has next yeah. for you a hundred percent so good a hundred percent so dope <laughs> such a good conversation I feel like this is the first time we've had something that is more rooted in like scholarship is that the right word you would use you know um and I think as much as we would want this podcast to be casual and just like we're sipping wine and we're just shooting the breeze I think it's also really important for us to know like who's doing this kind of work in our community especially people who align with black American music jazz music like mm -hmm. 
this is such a juicy conversation and i hope you, those of you who are listening have been enjoying so far yeah um but uni now is your time to kick our butt this is when you this is the time that uni kicks our butt uni has been kicking my myself butt and our guests years. including if this is <laughs> this is what i think it is this is gonna be a yeah it's gonna be a butt kicking for real i'm ready <laughs> well our, my first question before we get into trill trivia mel has been roaming these streets Mm-hmm. Asking the people two questions. Question number one: Do you like jazz? <laughs> yes, I love. <laughs> Which reminds me of remember when we would go on the Jazz Legacy website and the first thing that pops up oh, says, yes. "Do you like jazz?" Like, yes, I like jazz. Yes. That's why I'm here. Yes. I would be like, it's such a cute I'm like, like no, I definitely. <laughs> I have to no just to see what would happen. Like, I'm gonna see if I know what happens. No, <laughs> and then what happens Nothing. when you do that? It goes away. Like, <laughs> <laughs> question number two, mm-hmm. Mel. You know the question. You ask. Who is your jazz Beyonce? Ooh, that is a good question. Okay, I have. Oh, I have my answer. Beyonce? I wonder. I wonder if Uni's gonna Ooh. know who it is. My jazz Beyonce is Miss Melba Liston. Okay, shout out to all my trombone queens out there. Yes, yes. inspiration. Um, learned about her from Randy Weston who is near to dear, near and dear to my heart. And I know you need to met him when I was still, was I in high school or college yet? I was very, I was very young and he pulled me aside and told me so many stories about Melville Liston, who was his musical partner. Um, and he gave me confidence that I didn't have through the stories that he shared and helped continue to push me forward. And I think for sure, Melville Liston is my jazz Beyonce. Okay. Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Mel, that question is so good. <laughs> it kind of is, you really like get to the root of it all with that question. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Wow. Yes. Thank you. Which is which is this is a great lead up since your jazz Beyonce is Melbaliston. Like there's a Melbaliston esque question. Ooh, so fun. now we are entering Trill Trivia. Hey. So which musician did not write or arrange for Dizzy Gillespie? Is it A, Jimmy Heath, B, Melba Liston, C, Gil Fuller, or D, Dexter Gordon? I'm going to make a guess. Is it me? Do I answer or Mel? You. You answer. Oh, I'm going to say Dexter Gordon. Ding, 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 ding. You're correct. (laughs) Got one in the books. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 20 points. 20 points for that one. 20 points. (laughs) 
Question number two. Which song was written by trombonist J.J. Johnson? Is it A, Lament, B, We, C, Nutville, or D, Mysterioso? It was ooh, written by him, not performed. Say the list again. A, Lament. He, oh, wait, pause B, for one second. He does one of my favorite versions of that song, but okay. B, We, We, C, Nutville, pause, or D, Mysterioso. So I am going to go with not Lament, not Mysterioso. What was it? Nutville and We? Oh, shoot. I don't even. Oof. We? <laughs> oh, that buzzer hit my soul. Yuni loves this so much. What is it? Which one is it's it? It's A Lament. What? Oh. <laughs> so that's why his version is your favorite. That's it's probably why his song. <laughs> Unless I'm wrong, y'all, please fact check me on that. I didn't yes, know he wrote check. that. It is like my favorite version of him. I didn't know he wrote it. Wow. <laughs> And that was not lament. I'm gonna look on girl. <laughs> okay, but no points for that round. No. It's okay. You still got 20 points. That's good. Still on the board. I'm still on the board. You know. You're still mm -hmm. on the mm -hmm. board. Okay. Last question. All right. On the Billboard charts, which Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers album was the highest grossing album? Ooh, okay. Okay, what's going on? Yeah. I don't know. Is it A, Ugetsu? B, Monin? Ooh. C, The Witch Doctor? Or D, Mosaic? Ooh. I have <laughs> great albums. They are all the tops of my charts. Um, <laughs> right. Talk about the Billboard charts. So let me see. Right. I'm going to say Monin. Monin. That's what I'm thinking. Yay! <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yay. Redemption. Yay. <laughs> yes, redemption yes. was had. Yeah. <laughs> that was a dope record. Yeah. yeah. Congrats, Ray. Oh. I know you've uh, trivia between trivia and blindfold testing like i've always <laughs> listen you we love that stuff so much we would drive we would do long drives well they're not that long we would drive from hartford to new york regularly through college just to come to new york jam sessions hang out all that stuff and the whole way through she put something on in the car ray who's that ray was that or we're just singing along to and learning um transcribing solos and all that stuff so so many good memories so much fun <laughs> <laughs> you're like an encyclopedia of music information I know. it really is it's like we can trust you need to know what the timeline of everything is in the music there so. was there was <laughs> a crazy. time where i thought about like going back to school for just like jazz history <laughs> for music history. About that you could do it uni but going 
Yeah. Don't go too lightly because school ain't no joke, but you could totally do it because you got the facts for real. And I think you have a good, um, I think you actually love it though. I think you like learning mm-hmm, about the history and you feel connected to the history. And I think it's important. We know that come mm. on up in Hartford yeah. um, with JMAC and going to the artist collective and going to the heart school and all of that stuff. The history mm. is in the diaspora and all that is ingrained in our mm. musical upbringing. Mm. You know? and yes. so, it was in your fundamentals. Oh, that is a percent. big piece. Mm. Listening mm. to music is the first thing. And mm-hmm. then knowing mm-hmm. your history of the diaspora, like our mm-hmm. first classes, music classes, weren't even music. We just studied about Pangea and like just the beginning mm-hmm. of time and how everything was black, period. Wow. <laughs> Professor so McLean, we absolutely love you. And, but those classes, mm-hmm. when he started with Pangea, I was so confused my first year. Well, I was like, did, did he just say Pangea? Like, I looked to my left, I looked to my right. I said, what am I in store for? Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. We sure mm. did. We were like, well, I thought we were in music school right now. <laughs> I feel like we need to do a Make Jazz Chill Again library because like you touched on so many great points today. Um, we just, I have the website, it was just like a landing page for now, but I think we should build it. Cause like every time people are dropping stuff that I'm like, Oh, like I need to know that. And I'm sure our listeners would love that. So, yeah. so uni, let's like make a point to maybe do like nothing too crazy. It could be even like a casual page, but like Pangea, we got to look into Pangea. Cause honestly, I, I'm a little, I'm a little ignorant to that. So now I have homework to do. I have homework. I, I got to listen to JJ Johnson lament. Yes. I, I should read Live Your Calling. Who wrote Live Your Calling? Oh, I don't know the authors on the top of my head, but I will send it to you all if you guys want to link it. I will say for all of our listeners, it is a faith-based purpose book. So if that's something that you you want to lean into, then I do highly recommend it. And it's a it's a book that you gotta work. It's like there's there's it took me three months to read it, not because it's long, but because you have to work through it like you have to mm. exercise and if you want to take it serious um yeah i it mm-hmm. was good it was good for me it was helpful it was helpful thanks for sharing those gems yeah um so well i think it's coming to this time where we got to say goodbye to our listeners we thank you all so much for being supporters of ours listening we see that our numbers are going up so that means that you're sharing it you're telling your friends um stay with us we have more of our people that we love great guests great musicians great artists great curators um and on that note i guess we'll do our sign off whatever you do remember 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 to to make 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 make